Now, if you're a mom, we, we, we want to say thank you, and I want to, I'm going to be preaching this morning out of Proverbs chapter 31, and, you know, if you ever hear somebody say, that's a P31 woman, they're referring to Proverbs 31, which gives, uh, starting in verse 10, it gives a whole uh, description of moms and mothers. So, today I'm just going to be preaching out of t- uh, verse 10, just to start with, and it simply says, who can find a victor- vic- virtuous wife? Let me start over again. I, I go too fast. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Ladies and gentlemen, today we celebrate Mother's Day. Now, I don't know about you. I think mothers ought to be celebrated every day. There's not enough money in the world to pay a mom for the pain she endures to birth us. Now, God knew when he created us that all of us men were going to be wimps. That's the reason women have babies because, you know, ladies, how many of you would say that the guys that you know in your life, they're big sissies? My wife would say she'd rather be sick than me because, oh, I don't feel good. This hurts and that hurts, you know. Women, they just go on your men. Women don't take days off. Mamas don't take days off. They're in season, they're out of season, they're all the time. And so today we're going to uh, turn and we're going to celebrate mothers. And I want to talk to mothers. During this sermon, you could probably hear a lot about my mom. In my eyes, she was a great woman. The sacrifices she, she made for me and my brothers and sisters, the things she endured, we're, we're going we're to talk about that. But I tell you what, I was reading here sometime back, and I came across, the, I like to read historical, I don't know how many of you are, but I like to read uh, about the founding fathers and people and what makes our country so great. And I came across this quote by this famous man that said, he remembers his grandmother's prayers. They clung to him all the days of his life. Abraham Lincoln said that. And then then another gentleman said, My mother was the most beautiful woman I ever saw. All that I am, I owe to her. I learned how to be moral. I learned how to be faithful. I learned how to be intellectual. I learned that all from my mom. George Washington said that. If you, if you look at the, if you look at the, in the Bible, and I only pulled a, a few out, but if you look at, at, at the Bible, you'll see some tremendous mothers who made some tremendous sacrifices. I was reminded as I studied this week about Moses, his mom. His mom was willing to give him up rather than see harm come to him. She gave him away. You know, when I read that, it always brings a tear to my eyes. Because when I was about six years old, my, my mom drove me and my brother and my sister in a taxi cab. We call them children's homes now, but back then we called them orphanages. And she drove to the front steps, pulled us out of a taxi cab, thrust us into the arms of the ladies that was 
standing on the steps, got back in the cab. And I remember crying and feeling abandoned. Ladies and gentlemen, it took, it took me years, and I had to become an adult before I realized the tremendous sacrifice she made. As I was crying on those front steps, she was bawling her eyes out in that taxi cab. And the thing that used to hurt me was that every once in a while, they'd line all the boys up, and these people would come in, and they'd look like a lineup, and they'd be looking at the boys. You know, not once were me and my brother ever allowed to stand in that lineup. Do you know what that does? I, I thought, there must be something wrong with me. You know what I found out years later? I found out that my mom told that orphanage under no circumstances were her children to be put up for adoption. See, that was an adoption line. That was a, that was a, a line where people were going to take children, be foster parents, or adopt them. But I was never allowed to stand in that line. That hurt me. But when I learned why, I thanked my mom that she cared enough that she was coming back for me, and she's going back for her children. And three years later, she did. I confuse people all the time when I talk about my dad. It was my mother's third husband. My mother was widowed four times. So I, I, when I think of Moses, I think about the sacrifice his mom made. But then I think about those two mothers that were fighting. The one mother had lost a child, and she was claiming this was her child, and the other mother was claiming it was her child, and they went before Solomon, and he looked at these two mothers, and they were fighting each other. And Solomon, the great man of wisdom, said, okay, you know, it's hard for me to tell which is the, the right mother, so here's what we're going to do. We'll cut this child in half and give half to this mother and give half to this mother. And this mother that was so angry, Lord, said, oh, yeah, let's do that. And Solomon knew who the real mother was because the real mother would rather give her baby away than see harm come to that child. And then there's a story that a lot of people don't know about, the Canaanite woman in the Matthew, the 15th chapter, starting with verse 21. It says, Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Ty and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, Yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which are fall from the master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O women, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed that very hour. Now Jesus wasn't being cruel. When you read the Bible, it says he came to the Jews first. You know, I've thought about that many times. And I don't know about you all, but 
I remember years ago, we used to have revivals in the church, and they were always two-week revivals. Y'all remember that? Well, all you young folks don't remember it. In fact, a lot of y'all turned to each other and says, what's a revival? But that, that's, that's another time. But anyway, we used to have these, and they were, two, they were two weeks long when I first became a Christian 50-something years ago. The first week was just for the church. People weren't invited necessarily to that week's service. It was to get the church right. And then when the church got right, then the second week was for the community to go out in the highways and the byways, and the church was right, and they went out and they compelled people to come in. Oh, we need revivals like that today. Well, that's what Jesus was doing. It was a Jew first. In fact, even when he told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples, his uh, Jerusalem and Judea first, and then Samaria, the half Jew, half Gentile, and then to the ends of the earth. He wasn't being cruel, but he never forgot his mission. And yet, this Canaanite woman, because of her persistence, he said, your faith. Your faith. Basically, it's given an answer. She, she didn't give up. Moms, that's how you are. You don't give up. You know, I'm, remember, I'm, re, I'm reminded of the four scholars who were arguing. Now, let me interpret that from the English to the Greek for you. They were fighting. And they were fighting about which was the best translation. And the first scholar says, well, I think the King James are is the best translation because of its eloquence of speech. The second scholar said, no, I, I don't think so. I think the New American Standard is the best because it's so accurate to the original text. And then the third scholar said, well, you both are wrong. The New International Version is best because it's easy to read and it's in modern language. And then the fourth scholar, he he thought for a few minutes, he says, well, I think my mother's translation is the best. And the other three says, I didn't, we didn't know your mother was a translator. Oh, yeah. She translated the Bible into her life. That's the best translation because it's a translation that can be seen. Well, we celebrate moms today because moms translate so many things that we become. I want us to, this morning, uh, my first point is, is I want us to celebrate moms. You know, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, is a verse that says, Honor your father and mother. My dad taught me that means don't disrespect. You know, even my daughter learned... At a very young age, even to this day, and she's 50, some years old, she wouldn't appreciate me sharing that. She could, may get by talking back to me. But in my household, she never got by talking back to her mom. Now, I want to admit to y'all, as we celebrate moms, that I'm a spoiled husband. You know, I've always known that, but it came to full realization when my, when my Dorothy was recovering from having her kidney removed because of cancer. All of a sudden, for the first time in my life, you have to remember, 
Guys, if you were single, I, I admire you. I was never single. I've never been single. I was raised in a, in, a, in, a, in a family with a mom and two sisters, and they took care of us guys. I left home at the age of 18 and joined the Army, and then my first sergeant took care of me. They did my laundry and all that. I just had to fill out the slip, put everything in a bag. And then while I was in service, I, wondered, I, I met this wonderful woman from Georgia. Well, <laughs> I, I met this wonderful girl from Georgia. We got married, and she's been taking care of it ever since. I've never done anything domestic until she had her kidney out. And all of a sudden, I'm doing the wash. <coughs> Ladies, let me say thank you. <laughs> I hope I don't have an accident today because I'm wearing pink underwear. <laughs> I thought, this is easy. You just dump it in the washer, pour it in some powder. My wife says from her bed, no, you got to separate everything. And then you got to find out who, which, which pile needs bleach, which pile needs softener, which pile needs this. Then you got to figure out what cycle to put it on. That's tough. But my wife's so good in her sick bed. One day I come home and she had written a note for every section and she labeled every little hole. And it, you know, the bleach goes here, the soap goes here, the softener goes here. Here's what you put in this pile, here's what you put in this pile, and here's the cycle, you know. Any of you can come to my house. And do the wash. It's that simple. But then I had to cook. I'm going to tell you, cooking's tough. Now it's not hard. It's not hard if you want your eggs hard and burnt. I mean, that's no problem. So I, I handled that any way any man would handle it. In fact, I've continued to do it some. Last night we had a the other night we had a wonderful dinner that I prepared. Thank you, Outback. So anyway, <laughs> and then here's the thing that really gets me, vacuuming. Those little vacuum cleaners are heavy. Every time I vacuum, my, my, my back hurt. I'm, I'm saying this to say thank you, moms. Guys, if you don't know what, there's not enough money in the world to pay us for what the women do to keep our homes running. I'm telling you, they are heroes. So the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Over there in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20, it says, keep the commands of your father and learn and, and don't forget the laws of your mother. See, we need to ce celebrate Moms, every day. Moms do so much for you. I hope today that as, as, as I, I bring this message to you, that every one of us would step aside and think what our moms and what our wives do for us. Little things that we don't even, we don't even think about. I did that this week. I, I sat back. My, my mom is with Jesus. I praise God. I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord when she was 54 years old. My wife's mom in heaven. I had the privilege of leading her to the Lord. 
they became great friends. Although my mother lived in Arizona, I'm a Western boy, and my mom, my wife's mom lived in Georgia. My mom passed away on, on the end of September, and she had made me promise that I'd do her funeral. Didn't want to do it, but she made me promise. So I flew out to Arizona. My wife couldn't go with me because her mother was in intensive care here in Florida, in Orlando. I went out and did my mom's funeral on a Monday. Drove back to Las Vegas. She lived in the desert, and so I had to drive to Las Vegas. That's the closest place you can catch a plane. I had a 7 o'clock flight. So I checked into a hotel, and just as I was putting my luggage on the bed, my wife called me and said her mom had died. And so I did her funeral in Georgia on a Sunday, same week. Ladies and gentlemen, these two ladies had a tremendous impact in my life. I've been thinking about them all week. I thought about the sacrifices my mom made. Little things like cooking hamburger and putting it in with the liver and then putting it on my plate so my dad wouldn't fuss me for not eating liver. Do you all know that none of us would have to eat liver if Adam had not sinned? <laughs> I, I told my wife when we got married, the day you cook me liver, that's grounds for divorce. <laughs> Praise God, she paid attention. I hate liver. But my mom, <laughs> see, my mom would cook hamburger and put it in there. Until the day my dad wondered why in the world she was always serving my plate. Yeah, why in the world? Boy, I love that girl. Why in the world she was fixing my plate? And so one day he just reached over and took a piece of my liver, which had to be hamburger. We won't tell you what happened there, but she never did it again. But then I, then I think about when I was a boy in high school. She never, you know, folks... We were a blessed family because we had a lot of love in our family, but we, we lived in boxcars because my dad worked for the railroad. We lived in above a restaurant when they owned their restaurant. We, it was just, it was difficult. And my mom never wanted us kids to feel different from the other kids. And I remember her doing without and saving because the popular thing when I was in high school had those, and of course I'm from Colorado, it's cool there. No, it's cold there. And all the, key, all the young guys that strutted had these suede jackets. They were pricely. And my mom saved and scrimped and got me this great this suede jacket. I was so proud of that jacket. And one of the toughest things in my life, I'd had it about a month. And me and my buddies were out there, and we were doing stupid things, throwing firecrackers. You know when you light a firecracker, there's a spark, right? And you know when a spark hits a suede jacket, and all of a sudden I'm feeling this, this heat, and I look down, and here's a big hole, and it's getting bigger, and I stamped it out, and I was crushed. But here's what moms do. And I know this is, is a lot. All I can do is, but every one of you moms have stories like this. My mom says, she wiped away my frown, and I don't want to tell you as a 16-year-old I was crying, but anyway, <laughs> she said, We'll, we'll fix this. And she found somebody, I don't know how she found him, who, who worked on suede, and he had the exact colored suede 
that matched my jacket. And he sewed two patches, one on this side and one on that side. And all the guys in, in, in school wanted to know why I got that better jacket than they had because I had the suede. You know, I said, well, not everybody can wear one of these. <laughs> so I, rem- I remembered that. I remember so many other things that mom did. My mother was a waitress a lot of her life. And I remember when I was in high school, junior, senior, she saved her tip money. I'd I'd see her come home and and put it in a jar. She saved her tip money so I could have a high school class ring. I still wear that high school class ring today. The shape's different, but it's still the high school class ring because my wife on our 20th wedding anniversary, and this is what moms do, mothers do, and wives do, she took her high school class ring and my high school class ring, and she had to melt it down, and she had it formed into a new ring that represented our Christian life and our marriage. And she gave it to me as a gift on our 20th wedding anniversary. Ladies and gentlemen, this ring is an old ring. It's heavy. Because when I got a class ring, you know, gold was $32 an ounce. And it wasn't plated. It was real gold. And uh, I've had this, I've worn this ring now. This year be 40, let's see, 26 years, 36 years. Because we're celebrating 56 this year. But she didn't only do it for me. You know, I was not the favorite child. I was one of the children. She did it for all of her children. So, so we, need, we need to celebrate tomorrow because they make so many sacrifices. They become our cheerleaders. My mother always was fearful that I was going to get hurt playing sports. I played football. I wrestled. I, I played baseball. I know you look at me now and say, boy, this guy, where does he get these stories? I used to be an athlete. I, I'm serious. Don, do you believe that? Yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I want you to know, I've shrunk. I used to be 6'1", 265 pounds. If I keep going the way I'm going, and if I stay here another many, many months, I'm going to be a spot on this stage. I'm just shrinking. I'm a preemie. If you got preemie, I don't want to scare you, but this is what a preemie looks like when they get in their 70s. I'm the smallest in my family. I'm the runt. I got two brothers over six foot four. My sisters are bigger than me. That's the reason I don't go home because down here I feel, at home I feel like a little shrimp. She did it for all of us. We, we need to celebrate moms. But then the second thing I want you to hear this morning we didn't we did need to model the principles they taught us. Moms are the real teachers. I was over at my granddaughter's yesterday to celebrate my great-granddaughter's fifth birthday. And I just watched her because I knew I was going to be preaching this morning. And I saw the way she was interacting with her three children and I was, you know, saw her saying, you know, put this up, you know, do this, do this. She's teaching them constantly. I, I, her little two-year-old, who's going to outgrow my brothers, <laughs> two years old, he, I'm going to put a contract on him to play football already. He's just, you know, massive. She said, 
Say, Grandmommy, Granddaddy. And by the time he was running up Dorothy, Grandmommy, running up me, they can't say great, so we just, you know. But anyway, she's teaching them constantly. Well, I thought about what moms teach. Well, they teach persistence. They, they teach you keep on keeping on. You don't, you don't give up. They wipe away our tears, but they throw us back into the game. Like I say, I used to be an athlete. My mom was always afraid that I was going to get hurt, but she was always at my games. She was always up there in the stands when I was wrestling. Did I get hurt? Yeah. My dad said I'd get over it, and I did. I just walked like this. So anyway, but persistence, they teach us persistence. They teach us to work hard. To work hard with a good attitude. To be content with whatever we have. Don't, don't be looking at what somebody else has. Just be grateful for what you have. They teach us attributes. My mom taught me, I was a, like I say, I was a preemie. She had me when she was 17, got married when she was 16. I hide a lot of my imperfections very well. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know something. I'm not, I'm not saying, hey, look at Pastor Herb. I'm saying, letting you know, I have a tremendous vocabulary. I just can't pronounce two-thirds of it. <laughs> it's all up here. It can't get out there, out here. And people say, well, Herb, how did you learn to be so funny? I learned funny because humor is the way... I protect myself because when I was a kid, I used to get picked on because I was always the smallest in my class. And my mother taught me that I could accomplish anything that I set my mind to. The only thing that would ever hinder me was me. And, and not to be, be concerned or upset about my situations like my speech impediment, my size, that those at some point in time could become assets. I remember my mom, put, as a little fella, put me on her knee, and she would read to me the story of the little red engine. The big engines couldn't take the load of them but the little red engine thought he could. He thought he could. He thought he could. He thought he could. He knew he could. He knew he could. He knew he could. And my mama said, I won't use the name she uses because her pet name for me as an adult, I never did like it. And Disney used it and messed it up. And Burger King used it years ago in the advertisement and messed it up. And uh, so she came to church and visited me one time and kept calling me the name she called me all my life. And after she left, everybody started calling me, so I had to change churches. Because I really don't, you know, it's a, you know, it's okay for a little fella, but a big hunk like me, you know, it's Herbie. She called me Herbie all my life. And she said, Herbie, you're the little red engine. And you can do anything, anything, if you set your mind to it. And there's always a way to do the difficult things. She taught me. 
to keep on keeping on. She taught me kindness. She said, it don't cost anything to be kind. Be kind to people. Even if they're unkind to you. And if they're unkind to you, be more kind to them. She taught me my work ethic. I saw her labor. I saw her sacrifice. Moms do that. Every mom in here, you're a hero. Sometimes you may not feel like heroes. Sometimes you may feel a little down. But I believe that God has a special place in heaven for moms. I'm so grateful for my raising. I'm so grateful for the difficulties that my family faced and the way they faced them and the way they overcame because it helped me to become an overcomer. It helped my brother to become an overcomer. It helped my sisters to become an overcomer. One of the last conversations I had with my mom was in June, just before she died in September. And she was talking about how proud she was of her children. And I said, Mom, all your children are proud of you. Because none of us would have accomplished what we accomplished if it had not been for you. And here's what she said. She said, yes, I don't know about that, but this I know. That every one of my children have risen to the top and become very successful. I've got a sister in California who's just closed her business because she's moving to Arizona because it's just getting too crazy in California. But if you had a Lamborghini and you wanted an accessory for it, you had to go to my sister and her husband's business. Very successful. I got a brother who retired from the railroad and started a salvage business. He has a warehouse about as large as this school. Takes up two city blocks. I have another brother who also retired from the railroad and now is a leader in this community. I have a sister who's one of the top real estate agents in the city of Denver. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying it's because of moms. And if you're here today and you're not a mom, now who am I talking to? You guys. You need to thank your mom because I tell you, you're who you are because of your moms and your dads. I'll give your dad some credit, but dads went out and made a living. Moms are with you. And so as I close, I want to remind you. As little ones, they wiped our noses. They held us when we cried. They put Band-Aids and kissed our hurts. They did so much for us. And I have a strong sense that we as obligations, as an obligation, have, have the privilege 
and ought to remember that as our mothers grow older, we have an obligation to take care of them because they took care of us. Last thing, Dorothy's mom, after her husband died, kind of got dementia, kind of started overdoing, dosing her medicine or forgetting to take her medicine, leaving the burners on. And I told Dorothy, I said, you know, we need to take care of your mom. And so I took off from the, it's back when I was active in the church and drove to Georgia, said, Ruth, I want you to come and visit us for a week. And I know you don't drive much anymore, so I come to get you for a week. Packed all the things up, put her in the car, brought her back here. And for four years, she said, when are you going to take me home? I said, well, you're still on vacation one of these days. <laughs> Folks, let's take care of our moms. And also, let's take care of the children of God. Let's love one another as a church. And if you're here this morning as I close, and you're not a member of our church, and would like to be, we'd like to check you check this card out. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and I'm going to pray in a little bit to give you that opportunity, check that out. If you want to know more about the church, check that. If you want to be baptized, we're going to have another baptism service pretty soon. We've got two waiting already. And if you'd like a visit, check that. This morning, if there's anything that I've said that reminds you of something or impacted you, write that down. Not that we're looking for praise, but we, we just want to make sure that people are, are growing in Christ. And if you have a prayer request, write that down. I promise you, we pray over these prayer requests. Fill out the front. Please print. Please put your address. Because it's awful hard sometimes trying to look up addresses and taking the time when I could be praying for other stuff, trying to look up the address where to send a card if I have an opportunity to send a card. And put down your telephone number and any information that you can think of. Pray with me right now as we close. And if, and if you're here and you don't know for sure that if you died right now, you'd go to heaven. Pray this prayer with me. It's not hard. It's like a marriage ceremony. If you're married, you took a vow and you became married. If you don't know Christ and you pray this prayer, it's a vow. In one second, you can be outside the kingdom and the next second, you can be in. Pray with me. Amen. Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for you, for us on the cross, and he died for me on the cross. And he has the power to forgive me my sin. So, Jesus, right now, I ask you to forgive me my sin. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to you, and I follow you all days of my, of your, of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.